What's going on, Badger Nation? This is Mike from Ad Badger, and you're listening to the PPC Den Podcast, the world's first Amazon PPC advertising podcast, and your source for all the tips, tricks, and optimization strategies you need to get the most from your Amazon ads. You can find all of our episodes, show notes, and links at adbadger.com slash podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. By the end of this episode, you will hear Brett and Mike's Hitchhiker Guide to Sponsor Products. Uh, how is it going, Brett? Uh, things are going great. It's a beautiful day out, and I am excited to share our Hitchhiker's Guide to Sponsored Products with everyone today. It might be a beautiful day out, but Brett and I, you know, this is our sixth episode Brett, you know, uh, rounding up after this, we're going to have 10 episodes if you round up. And we are, I, you know, we ju- you just said it's a beautiful day out there, but we are no closer to being professional podcasters because it takes us about 45 minutes to set up the audio, which I think is pretty hysterical. Not to mention that all of the issues are pretty much on my end here, so... <laughs> right. Places where you won't have issues is sponsor products. Uh, so this episode, uh, Brett and I were actually working on unit three of our Amazon Advertising Academy. Uh, and unit three is called sponsor products optimization, where we sort of are going to be mapping out over the shoulder through slides everything that people need to know on how to really optimize their sponsored products in detail. And what we wanted to do in this episode was have it be a fantastic introduction if you've never ran sponsored products, as well as a really nice refresher if you have. And what we're going to do is sort of just like that Hitchhiker's Guy, we're going to lay out where all the sort of... Uh, celestial bodies are that you need to pay attention to. Where's your North Star? Where's your moons? Where's everything that you need to know for sponsored products? That's what we're going to be covering today. Yep. Super excited to get into that. But first, we have some news to share with everyone. Uh, You know, some actual Ad Badger updates. We do have another developer starting this week. Uh, Have you met him yet, Mike? Because I have not talked to this developer. Oh, I have. Um, You know, I used my LinkedIn skills to connect with as many developers as I could. This one rose to the top, and I'm really excited about it. I think it's just going to allow us to develop even more powerful tools, even faster. Awesome. Yeah, I, I can't wait to meet him and you know have him join our team. And another awesome update that we have uh, planned f- for the end of December is going to be the ability to add and edit campaigns from right within AdBadger. So super stoked for that. And that's going to open the door for a lot of cool possibilities going forward into 2019 as well. Yep. Uh, Don't forget about an update to our positive keyword tool, which is going to scan through your search terms and uh, be able to export that and put that right into your campaigns. Uh, We have an agency solution coming out in the next few months as well, Um, uh, probably in the middle part of 2019, supporting more Amazon marketplaces. So selling in Canada and so on and so forth, uh, Australia, all these other places that you can sell on Amazon, be able to get that out. in addition, some hiring news, as well as the developer, also on the search for a content marketer. Um, and if any of this sounds really fast or accelerated, it's actually because AdBadger is going through a sort of a startup incubator, startup accelerator. Um, so we're, we're, we're working, uh, I don't know about you, Brett, but 
working probably a solid 12, 14 hours a day, pushing things forward. I couldn't be more stoked on Ad Badger right now. Um, in the sense of the content that we put out, uh, the team that we're building, the software that we're building, uh, it's an exciting time to be in the Badger Den. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, last week we didn't have quite as many technical difficulties getting set up as we did this week, uh, but we were able to pump out a really good podcast talking about uh, Amazon PPC advertising stats. So if any of our listeners today are interested in that, uh, you can check out episode five of the PPC Den podcast when we just dove into all the different Amazon advertising metrics. We broke down, we broke down and talked about all of the data uh, and you know, really went through everything and talked about those metrics. And that was a fun episode to do. That's right. And now let's jump in to the Badger Den. Be fun here to play some kind of uh, transition music. I, I don't know what kind of music the Badger would listen to as he goes into the Badger Den. Hitchhiker's Guide to Sponsored Products. I guess the first thing is why sponsored products. Um, And time and time again, even though Amazon is rolling out with new ad types, even though they're rolling out with different ways to target, the king of ad types on Amazon right now is the sponsored product. And Brett, I was actually just uh, doing some search testing, and it, and it kind of varies for every search that you do make. But on a typical search, I was finding anywhere from 20 to 25 sponsored product listings on a typical search result page. Um, and the reason they're so popular, the reason they get such high click-through rates and conversion rates is because they look so darn similar to organic listings, barely distinguishable. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're really good. And, you know, it's not uncommon now uh, in this age of Amazon uh, to search for a product and not even see an organic listing above the fold of the page. You have to actually scroll down to see the first organic listing. And it seems like almost everything on Amazon is becoming mm-hmm. a sponsored product. Mm-hmm. You know, it's really crazy. This is, this is my, this is my uh, conspiracy theories. So for all the conspiracy theorists out there, tune in. Uh, I actually think that Amazon throws people off by putting an overt advertisement. So, you know, when Amazon, they had the television show with John Krasinski, uh, Jack Ryan, they put a very overt looking display ad for that show, which is an Amazon Amazon show. uh, And what they did was they made it look like an ad. So, you know, people understand what an ad looks like. You know, it had John, uh, Jack Ryan, Watch Now, Amazon Prime Video. And I think they do that to throw people off into, hey, this is the ad. Everything else on this page isn't. Don't pay attention to this light grayed out word that says sponsor. You think I'm crazy? Uh, you, could, you could definitely be right. I mean, it's possible. <laughs> could I be right and crazy at the same time? I suppose. <laughs> That's right. And, you know, these sponsored product campaigns that look so much like organic listings all circle around this core concept of RPSB, which we've broken down, I believe, in episode four. So this concept of casting a wide net, finding what sticks, and then amplifying it is this concept of research, peel, stick, and block, which we're not going to get into too much detail because we have a full episode on it. But it's really about casting that net, finding what works, and amplifying it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, we've kind of noticed uh, 
two different type of customers that we deal with for the most part. Uh, you know, we have people who uh, you know come to AdBadger and they have all of their terms that have good historical data that have converted in the past, and then they you know they use AdBadger, and you know just like magic, their ACOS and their their bids are being optimized. Everything's going great. Their keywords are awesome, but uh, you know we see this all the time. There are those there's that other. Uh, group of customers that basically pulls in keywords from their competitors' listings or uses a, a keyword finding tool, and then they throw those into their campaigns and disaster strikes. And uh, you know, there's huge a costs, and there's nothing necessarily wrong with those tactics, but uh, there are a lot of things that can go wrong. So the concept of RPSB is a great way to avoid that and start off strong with really well optimized campaigns. And we definitely recommend checking out episode four of the PPC Den podcast uh, if you really want to dive into RPSB and get a good understanding of what that method's all about. Right. I, and I think, you know, uh, there's a fantastic book that I like. It's called Super Better. And it talks about like the positive benefits of playing video games. And, you know, the researcher follows these gamers where half the gr- half half of them are playing games and getting stressed out in their life and then the other half are using games to reduce stress and the only differentiator between these two groups of gamers was that one group uh, was just playing without thinking about it, no intention. And the other group had the intention that they were going to sit down and de-stress after a long day. Uh, and this intention helped make th- their lives better. And it's sort of this intention that we should have whenever we do Amazon advertising that we're going to cast a wide net. So we're going to dedicate some time towards research, and then we're going to dedicate some time and campaigns towards our core sort of heavy converters that are reliable terms. And when you go in with this intention, it saves so much stress in the sense of, you know, we get people all the time. They use a keyword tool, they get 100 keywords, they drop it in there. All of these keywords are untested, but they have the intention that they're going to be super terrific converters. And then they get really, really frustrated with Amazon advertising. So that concept of RPSB is the antidote to getting frustrated, to know that, hey, you need to cast a wide net, you need to do some research, and then some things will work, you're going to amplify that. And some things won't work, you're going to downgrade those, and downbid them, and turn those into negatives. And that intention, I think, is what makes up really high-powered advertisers. They know the game uh, that's being played on Amazon, and then they play it well. Uh, which brings us to sort of our next topic. Uh, account, is one of my favorite words, hierarchy. Um, accounts... An Amazon account is actually actually made up of several sub-items uh, in the same way that you can have a badger and it's actually broken down into several sub-species of badgers. As you know, the honey badger as well as the North American badger. And I think there's actually seven types of badgers around the world. But we have an account hierarchy on Amazon. Yeah, I was, uh, you know, just as a quick side note, I was curious about your favorite, uh, you know, species of badger. HB. Honey badger, <laughs> no doubt. Great. Uh, so you know we were going to talk about not only account uh, hierarchy, but uh, Amazon just released portfolios, which is really interesting. And uh, these are kind of ways that you can group your campaigns. Um, you know, so if you have a couple different brands in your account, uh, you could group those into separate portfolios. Uh, if you, you know, you could even split up. Uh, your your campaigns uh, into portfolios just based on ASIN. So that's a cool uh, that's a cool new change, and it'll be interesting to see what we can do with the account hierarchy now that portfolios are part of the game. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. So we have one account, which can be broken up into several portfolios. Each portfolio is made up of several campaigns. And inside a campaign are ad groups. And then inside ad groups, you have your both your targeting and your ASINs. Um, and that's, you know, that's, that's the hierarchy that, that we deal with. So one account can have several portfolios. Each portfolio can have several campaigns, and there's different types of campaigns. There's sponsored products, uh, automatic and manual targeting. Inside of campaigns, you're going to have ad groups, uh, which are sort of, you know, the ads that you're sort of going after, to the products that you're serving. And then inside, you have your targeting. And that is just the overall structure that we need to think of. And the thing that's really important here is that people need to understand that data, what level they're looking at, what level of data that they're actually looking at. So when they might open up their account and their account might be, you know, a sunny 25% A cost, but when they dig in deeper to their portfolios, maybe one portfolio is, is 15% and the other is 35%. And then when they dig into the one that's 35%, they might have a campaign that's doing 50% ACoS and the other one doing 10% ACoS. Then they dig in. They have ad groups, all these different levels of performance. So it's all about knowing what level that you're looking at and being able to zoom in and get the information that you need. So many times I hear from people that say, Amazon advertising isn't working for me because they have a high ACoS. And then you dig in, there's dozens of keywords that are converting really well, but then there's dozens of keywords that are converting really poorly. So you need to know your hierarchy. Um, and it's really, it's an important concept. You know, it's a concept that I think people just take for as a given, as, as granted, but really understanding the, uh, and I'm really going to butcher this word, the hierarchical structure, oh, I got it, of Amazon advertising is what makes up um, you know, a, a, a master Amazon advertiser. And we're trying to be masters. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, uh, I found that the best thing for most people who have a high A cost or who are frustrated with their PPC, uh, the biggest thing that they need is some some good structure in their account, uh, really good organization. And, you know, that I think account hierarchy is something that should be at the top of everybody's list. Mm-hmm. Cool. I want to jump down to... Uh, campaign naming. So as we sort of have, or, or just naming in general, right? We have our account, we have our portfolios, we have our campaigns, we have our ad groups. All of these things, sometimes I'll open up an account and the Amazon marketer has to explain for the next 10 minutes what is where and why it's there and what the target is, uh, target ACOS is and what the goals are and what's inside of them. And it is a drag, slows down the optimization process, not only for an outsider to come in and give some insight, but in addition, it slows whoever's working on that campaign day in, day out, it slows them down because they constantly have to think, okay, what did I put in this campaign? What what are what's the portfolio structure? Uh, what was the target for this ACOS? Is this uh, you know uh, so on and so forth? I think it becomes very difficult when people create the names of their portfolios, campaigns, ad groups without thought. Mm-hmm. And you know that's a that's a test that every single Amazon marketer should be able to pass. You should be able to. Uh, you know, let somebody who's familiar with PPC open up your account and understand exactly what each campaign uh, is, you know, the, the campaign type, know which product it's to, and know the target ACoS for that campaign. If you can pass that test, your campaign naming is top-notch. 
Right. Because you figure that you're going to be looking at these campaign names, these ad group names in tools inside Seller Central, inside your reports. Uh, you're going to be maybe sharing these reports with other people. You're going to be passing these things around. And if you don't, you know, if, if, if you need to take even five seconds of friction to figure out what's inside and what the target is and why it's there, uh, it's going to slow to slow everything down. And again, this is like one of these softer skills that uh, really only experienced Amazon marketers have, which we're trying to give to the people here. <laughs> mm -hmm. For sure. And, you know, uh, for each ASIN you have, you could have up to six different ads. Uh, you know, you could have a an automatic sponsored product, manual sponsored product, you know, with your keywords in it. You could have a sponsored brand ad if you're brand registered. You could have a product display ad. There's new car, uh, category targeting. There's new product targeting. Uh, you know, so that's just for one ASIN. Imagine what happens when you build out your product line and you have a whole bunch of different ASINs. It's really vital to keep everything structured, under control, and have really good uniform campaign naming. Uh, so, you know, make sure you pay some special attention to that. Um, and another really important thing to focus on, other than campaign naming, is actually getting your first campaigns going and getting your PPC journey starting. And to do that, you need to know what the best starting bid and budget is when you go to launch your first campaign. Yes. So what are your thoughts on that, Mike? This is the mythical starting bid, starting budget, almost like finding Bigfoot, trying to find a unicorn or uh, trying to come in contact with aliens, these things are not uh, you know, the perfect starting bid and the perfect starting budget. What I'm trying to say here is it doesn't exist. There's lots of factors that make it perfect for your business, uh, for your products, and for your goals. So those things make it real, not some arbitrary number that we pick. So lots of times a budget, that's a business level decision. You know, how, how much ultimately of our total current revenue, so let's say our current revenue is $50,000 a month, maybe we want to spend 10% of that on ads and we want our ads to convert at a 3x return on ad spend multiple or something like that. Whether or not that's the perfect, most optimal thing isn't really the, the the point because hopefully you're looking at that and it's you you have feedback loops that tell you to increase spend change your targets all these things and it's a sort of a moving target so what I often tell people is when it comes to your starting budget have a good rationale and then tweak it over time you know recheck that budget once a month is it where it should be based off our current revenue based off our current targets based off our business goals and our accounting there's a lot of factors that go into budgets so that's my starting thought but when it does and sometimes when people ask what should my starting budget be i really feel like what they're asking is what should my uh, minimum budget be meaning if i'm just launching a brand new product can I just launch it with a $2, $5 a day budget, whatever it might be? And to that, I say, well, there, there are some arbitrary numbers that we can, and some sort of guidelines that we can go towards in the fact that I probably don't start any anything with fewer than $1,000 a month in budget behind it. Uh, so that comes out to be about $30 a day or so. Um, so that's my, sort of my smallest budget. I just like to have more data than, than less data. Uh, I think it's harder to optimize super teeny tiny campaigns, like $10 a day, than if you have at least you know some data to chew on and optimize. Uh, what are your thoughts on minimum budget? Uh, so 
You know, my, my number uh, for what I recommend for the minimum budget is very similar to yours. I usually will tell people $30 a day, uh, you know, especially if they're just launching their first product and they don't have any past revenue to go by. I think $30 a day is a good starting place. And then for your starting bid, uh, you know, it really depends on the competition level in your niche. Uh so I would recommend starting off, uh, you know, the, the starting suggested bid for most auto campaigns is 75 cents. That's a default bid. Um, I would recommend starting at about a dollar and then slowly inching it up from there. Mm-hmm. Right. Couldn't agree more. So when we have that starting bid, when we have that starting budget, we should start with an auto campaign. Uh, and again, we will we will preach this strategy until it doesn't become the best strategy anymore. But the idea of starting with an automatic campaign, which means you just put your product in there and then it goes out there and it, uh, Amazon, goes and takes that product and displays that product for searches that it thinks are relevant and suggested sponsored products that it thinks are relevant as well. That's it. There's no keyword uh, research that we need to do. There's no complicated bid optimization because there's only one bid. You pay, you pay one bid for everything. Um, very, very simple and fast to get started. And auto campaigns, you know, my favorite place to get keyword data. Yeah. So the next really important part is, you know, setting up your first auto campaign. Now that we know the starting budget and the starting bid that you can start off with, what would be your first recommendation for actually starting your first auto campaign? And what are the things that you'd keep an eye out for, Mike? Yeah. I mean, launching that auto campaign is where I begin time and time again. It's easy. It's fast. It's targeted. Um, Basically, what an auto campaign will do is take my product. Amazon will then display that product for what it thinks are relevant searches, what it thinks are relevant suggested products for me to appear for, and that's it. There's no comprehensive keyword research I need to do. There's no bid optimization I need to do because I'm only it's only one bid for all of those impressions. It's pretty simple and pretty straightforward. And then when you launch that. You then need to think of the data delay that happens on Amazon. Absolutely. There is, unfortunately, a 48-hour Amazon data reporting delay. So any data that you receive from today or from yesterday is going to be pretty skewed and should probably be omitted from any sort of analysis that you do. Um, and then there's the actual delay between when you turn on your, uh, your automatic campaign and the point when you can actually start to extract a good amount of data out of that. Uh, and that usually takes about two or three weeks, doesn't it? Yeah, depending on the budget, right? So people with bigger budgets get data faster because there's more information, more impressions. People with smaller budgets, so if you are around that $30 a day, you're probably not going to see significant data roll in after a week or so because you're going to have to wait a little bit longer for a little bit more clicks. But if you have a $300 a day budget, then you know, right after that 48-hour reporting delay, you could probably go in there on day three or so and start to see some significant data, or at least the start of significant data. And the fact, and can I just say, the fact that Amazon still has a 48-hour reporting delay is crazy. This is Amazon we're talking about. This isn't a rinky-dink data company. Uh, this is Amazon, right? So if, there's no way that we're going to be able to optimize by hour of the day, by day of the week, all these different 
things that we can do to splice and optimize data that we can on Google Ads or Facebook Ads, we have to wait for Amazon to get their, you know, get their stuff together so that we can actually start getting some hour of the day level analysis, which I cannot wait for. It's going to be huge. It's going to be a huge game changer. Yeah, I, I'm super excited about that. You know, it is frustrating, uh, but you know, we are kind of at Amazon's mercy. Um, so it is what it is with that reporting delay. Um, so what I would definitely uh, suggest doing is going into Seller Central at this point um, and actually let's check out what the columns actually are inside of Seller Central and get a good understanding of the platform that we're going to be using to launch our first ads. Because you know we can talk about uh, launching our first uh, auto campaign all day, but some of our viewers just don't really understand the process and what that looks like. So we're you know going right into seller central uh, you can go right into advertising and then from there you can create your first campaign uh, you know that's your auto campaign you create that by you know hitting create sponsored product campaign and then you go and hit create campaign you select auto you set your bid you set your budget and then you leave it for uh, you know however long you need to collect a good amount of data and at that point uh, that's when we can really dive in there, pull the data out out of that uh, automatic campaign, and you know find those uh, search terms that are doing really well for us, and then analyzing that data. So, what does that whole process look like for you, Mike? Yeah. So, when it comes time to start looking at that data, there's actually two places where you go and get this. Uh, the first is if you're looking at the campaign, like. Inside Seller Central, if you went to advertising and then campaign manager, there's going to be a, a sort of, I guess, a sub tab, you know, where you see campaigns, drafts, bulk operations, advertising settings, advertising reports. You click on advertising reports. That's one way to get there. The other way to get there is actually to go to the top menu bar and go reports, go to the drop down, and this is going to be advertising reports there as well. So it's, you can get to it in two different places. Once you are there, it normally defaults to a search term report. So basically, it's going to ask you what campaigns you want to look at, sponsored products or sponsored brands. Then it's going to ask you what report type you want. And in this case, we're looking for some search terms. Then it's going to ask for the reporting period. Uh, it normally defaults to last month. Be sure to hit that drop down and customize that and try to get as much data as you can, because um, you never know if something maybe only got two clicks last month and you forgot about it, but then it gets two clicks this month and you forget about it, and then it's going to get two clicks next month and the next month, and you know maybe this is a three dollar click. Over the course of the year, you might spend you know maybe five hundred, maybe even a thousand dollars on just something that gets a few amount of clicks. So I always like to go for a longer time frame. So I you know try to do it as long as I can. And here's another in pure insane thing. Amazon like deletes data after a while. So it, today's February, December 21st. If I were to go back and try to look at data from September of 2018, that data is gone. Um, so it's really wild, uh, the data storage. And I get, you know, there's a lot of data to store for all these advertisers, all these metrics. But it's like at the same time, Google figured out a way to do it. Facebook figured out a way to do it. Amazon. You can do this too. I, I believe in you. So that's why 
you, you know, it's crazy that, you know, a unique feature of the, the software we build is like try to have as much data as we possibly can in there. Um, just because we know that Amazon deletes it. So we try to download it and sync and save it so that people could pull on it uh, inside our software. So I, I plead everyone, uh, unless you're, you know, if you're not using a, a third party tool or anything like that, be sure to create these reports regularly. Because if you create the report, it'll be saved in sort of your list of data, uh, list of reports. But if you don't, it is gone, gone, gone. Mm-hmm. You know, Amazon's out there just conquering the world and building biospheres and mega campuses. But, you know, give the people what they really want. Just <laughs> save our data, please, Amazon. <laughs> That's right. Uh, so once you download one of these search terms, uh, it will look pretty, I mean, it's a spreadsheet. You know, it's going to look like a spreadsheet. And we're going to be greeted with a whole bunch of columns, you know, your campaign, your start date, so on and so forth. Uh, I wanted to just point out maybe a few of these columns. Um, Brett, uh, what are some of your favorite columns? Like, what are the, what, you know, what are the things that you first look at? What are the things that you first do when you download one of these reports? So it really depends what I'm looking for when I download the report. But if I'm downloading this report uh, with the intention of pulling out my converting search terms so I can turn those into really good keywords for my manual campaigns, the first thing I'll do is I will actually, uh, you know, let's actually pull up one of these spreadsheets real quick so I can, you know, give the people the actual column uh, letters so they can follow along with with mm-hmm. us, if you will. Um so under um, under column H, actually, is I, I think these are all the same for ours. Do you have one pulled up as well, Mike? Yeah, Col- column H for me is search terms. Yeah, so column H uh, is the first filter that I'll apply here. And what I'll do is I'll actually uh, apply a filter, hit add column, column H, and then I will... Uh, I'm going to look for a filter that's basically going to remove all of the ASINs first. And the reason I do this is uh, I'm looking only for converting search terms first that I can throw into a manual campaign. So I will click add a filter, column H, and then the first filter I go over to text, and then I'll put does not contain, and then I type in B, and then the letter, or uh, the number zero. B0. And that is basically getting rid of every single ASIN uh, on this spreadsheet, which will allow me to focus in on these search terms that have converted for me. And the reason we're looking for only search terms here uh, is because I'm adding these as my keywords in the manual campaign. And these search terms are what a customer literally typed into Amazon search bar before seeing one of our ads, clicking on the ad, and actually converting for the ad. So these are the most efficient, uh, you know, usually the lowest ACOS terms. And it's a really good idea to extract all of these, throw those in a manual campaign as exact match keywords, uh, and then go back and actually add them as exact negative keywords in the auto or source campaign. Mm-hmm. And here's the crazy thing, too. You know, when you take that, and this is like the research peel stick and block method. We did our research, the auto campaign, found a whole bunch of search terms that we appeared for. Uh, I'm going to peel out the best ones, the ones that converted. I'm going to stick them as a manual exact in a manual targeting campaign. And then I'm going to block it as a negative exact in that initial auto campaign. This process 
basically guarantees that I'll get more visibility for this high converting term and that exact term that the person actually searched. Can I add these as broad and phrase as well? Without a doubt, certainly you can, but just know that you're going to be showing up for synonyms and stems of those words and phrases related to those words, not the actual term that just converted. So if you want a tighter campaign, then you drop the exact in there uh, and you keep the exact and maybe you only do the exact. Later down the road, as you get more comfortable, then I start to incorporate the phrase and the broad match versions of this. So that's how you handle your keywords. And Amazon actually just rolled out product targeting as well. So Brett, after you do that and you pull out the actual searches that people uh, searched, do you also then start peeling out some of the ASIN? So basically flip that filter and say, instead of instead of uh, getting rid of things that contain B0, do, that, do you then switch to just B0? Must contain B0. Must contain B0. Yeah, so I'll go back and delete the old filter that I had, uh, and then I will add another filter to column H. And, uh, you know, it doesn't have uh, a better option to do this with than using... Uh, you know, you want to hit text and then starts with. And if you hit starts with, uh, that'll that'll be sure to basically only include your list of ASINs in this spreadsheet. And one other and one other thing I like is uh, I also recommend coming over to column O and considering adding uh, a filter there as well. Column O has all of your ACOS data, so you can add filters there if you want to exclude anything that has, uh, you know, maybe too high of an ACOS for you to be comfortable adding it. Uh, and you can also get rid of anything without an ACOS and, you know, that'll get rid of any of these terms that have, uh, that have basically not converted before and have only, uh, you know, wasted some of your ad budget. So that's another filter I really like to apply, uh, you know, go over to column O and then, uh, you can basically hit numbers and, I like to enter one that says greater than zero. Mm -hmm. That'll get rid of anything without a conversion. Uh, and then if you want to only include things that are below a certain ACOS, uh, you know, you could say, for example, 40% ACOS, just to throw a number out there, that'll get rid of any of these ASINs or converting search terms that are not performing very well. So you're left with a list of low ACOS converting search terms or low ACOS converting ASINs like we have now. And we can copy these ASINs into a product targeting ad like Mike was just talking about. And we've actually seen some really good success with these so far, Mike. Yeah, and the other thing I I have like a uh, unpopular opinion. If I have it, so I'm looking at a search term report right now, uh, and there's a search term with 124 uh, percent ACOS, and I would actually take this and instead of just blocking it entirely, I would go and look at the CPCs, and the CPC for this is actually. A dollar nine. So to me, what I would rather do with a super high ACOS thing, search term, I would actually add it to my account. I would then negative, you know, I would heel stick and block it. So by blocking it in the auto, I'm going to be saving money because I'm not going to be bidding a dollar nine anymore. I'm going to put it in my manual, and instead, I'm maybe I'll bid only twenty five cents for it. Now, all of a sudden, I'm still going to get some traffic for this. I'm not going to get tons of traffic, but I'm going to get some traffic, 
And when I do get it, I'm going to get it at a profitable cost per click. And that is like, uh, that's something that I've always liked to, to do because, you know, it just expands your at your keyword list. So this is, this is my little unpopular opinion, I think. Yeah, you can definitely get some awesome sales doing that. Um, so that's definitely an awesome recommendation as well. If you guys want to uh, you know, do that. It requires a little bit of extra work, but you can get some some extra conversions uh, from doing what Mike was just talking about. And you know, that's that's a really good tactic as well. Um, so, what are we? You know, at this point, we're basically we've got our list of converting ASINs, and then we have our list of converting search terms. And uh, you know, what are we? What are we thinking with those? What do we do with those next? So yeah, now we just finish the the peel stick and block, you know. So as we have that list, uh, I actually want to, you know, just walk through literally what we're doing with these terms that we just found that convert. So we have the ASINs that convert, we have the actual key search terms that converted. We're literally go then going into Seller Central and clicking create new campaign, manual targeting, ASIN targeting. And actually punching in that exact ASIN, boom. Then we're creating a keyword targeting campaign and dropping in those exact keywords. And that is the Hitchhiker's Guide to Sponsored Products, Part 1. That's right. Uh, this is our first two-part episode. Um, we have... Uh, only five episodes so far. This is episode six. But this Hitchhiker's Guide, where we do a, a general overview of all of these sponsor products topics, we wanted to break into two episodes. So this was sort of the setup, right? So we, we launched an auto, we did research peel, stick, and block, and now what comes next? You know, in next week's episode, we're going to talk about how to really utilize negative keywords to you know, optimize your campaigns. We're going to talk about you know, some of the math that goes into conversion-based bid optimization. You know, we're going to try to address some situations. You know, how do you handle high ACOS situations? Should you be using things like Bid Plus? All of those things are going to be included in next week's episode. And I'm really stoked. I think this is one of our best episodes yet, Brett. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, we're not actually going to have our next episode until uh, next week. And by that time or before then, it is going to be Christmas. So we want to say Merry Christmas, everyone, and happy holidays, uh, you know, from the PPC den here. Uh, we are, you know, super excited to be able to create this content for you guys and try to help you out uh, getting those campaigns optimized and having a really good 2019 of PPC. That's right. May your 2019 be as ferocious as the Badger itself. Uh, you know, this podcast is one of, you know, my favorite things that we do here. Uh, you know, I started getting messages on LinkedIn from people saying, hey, thanks for your podcast. Uh, and it's such a, you know, it's a nice way to interact with people. So I really do thank everyone out there for listening. Uh, we're really excited. This is, you know, we're still just less than 10 episodes here. Um so hopefully maybe we can look back when we're at episode 100 and pull this moment up so we can look back and laugh. I like I'm it. laughing it's now, actually. So, so there you go. <laughs> so as always, you can find all of our episodes, show notes, and links at adbadger.com slash podcasts or wherever you good people get your podcasts. This is Mike. Have a good one. Bye.